Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings a wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. All right, everybody. Hello. It's time for Not Just Blowing Smoke. Coming at you live from Twin Smoke Shop Studio Headquarters in the 724 Lounge in Londonderry, New Hampshire. Uh, be sure you hit that subscribe button if you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube. If you're listening after the fact on uh, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever else you may have found us, make sure you hit the subscribe button there so that you don't ever miss a thing. I'm Pastor Padrone. I'm here with my co-hosts, uh, Pat and Dave, tonight. Yo. And tonight we're doing... We're, setting off a series that we're going to be adding to in future weeks this isn't something we're going to do like week after week but i think it's a, something we're going to return to on a regular basis at least for a little bit uh looking at some of history's most influential people who were also famous or infamous for smoking cigars or pipes for being brothers or sisters of belief and tonight we are remembering Sir Winston Churchill. And one of the reasons I picked Churchill for tonight is that tomorrow, November 30th, is actually his birthday. Uh, tomorrow he would be 148 if he were still alive. But uh, the Winston Churchill, this is the original Winston Churchill cigar from Davidoff, which features a, a Ecuadorian Habano wrapper and a Negro San Andreas binder and uh, fillers from Nicaragua and the Dominican Republic. It's a Toro. It's a 6x54. And um, what are we pairing with it tonight, Pat? So we're doing Johnny Walker Black. Um, Historically, Churchill actually drank Johnny Walker. Well, one of the things he drank is he drank a lot. But <laughs> I think he started off with wine in the morning or whatever. But he used to um, have Johnny Walker Red that he would dilute with water. And that's why everyone saw him drinking so often is because that's how he hydrated, basically. <laughs> but well, There's nothing but, like hydrating with whiskey. But back then, like, the way that they distilled Johnny Walker, like having, like, that malted scotch, like, that was actually a really high-end scotch back then. Obviously, mm. now the technology we have today, like, it's considered kind of like a lower medium shelf. Or, right. But back then, that was a very high-quality scotch. And this is the black. Yep, just a coal line black. we don't have the red. Yep, we're the bar. too cool for red, apparently. We're too cool for red. <laughs> We've got red. the black. But, you know, it, the whole thing is inspired by Winston Churchill here. Um, so we've all... Uh, started the cigar here. What are your What are your first thoughts on it? This is This has been one of my favorite cigars from Davidoff for years. So I, I'd like to know what you guys think. So far, a lot of earth and a lot of a lot of spice or pepper, pizzazz. Yeah, it has kind of a 
like a brown pepper spice to it on the retro, but it has kind of like a honey sweetness, kind of like a lime kind of citrus, some hay, a little bit of like creamy cedar, um, some clove, floral. It's There's always a lot going on with that. But it's more of like those more subtle nuance kind of flavors, but, mm -hmm. you know, if you really like sit and think about it, it does a lot to offer. There's some kind of cocoiness in there too from the San Andreas from the binder. San Andreas, yep. So yeah, it has a lot going on for it. Yeah, it's it. You know, typically this is this is probably more on the milder end of a cigar that I would normally go to. Mm -hmm. But you know, kind of like the Byrons and Atabays, you know, if you take their time and sit and think about what you're getting with the cigar, it really is very complex and balanced. You know, there's I get a lot of wood. I get that cocoa sweetness. There there is hints of that citrusy lime every once in a while. It's not constant. Um, but it's, it, there is a nice floral quality to the room note of the cigar and, um, the, the burn on it is awesome. I, I love this cigar. Um, you can never fault Davidoff on their construction. No, no, it, it's an excellent cigar that way. Um, so before we get into some things, Winston Churchill wise, I thought we'd talk a little bit about <clears throat> what's going on here at twins mm -hmm. um black friday is behind us uh thank god yep <laughs> uh, it was very good but it was very busy which i suppose i should be happy about you know but we have um a couple of events coming up in the next few weeks here in december and uh the first is the uh if you go in or just in order of dates the uh savinelli christmas event december 10th which is a Saturday from uh, 12 to 4 p.m. Uh, Kaz Walters from La DC Distribution Group, who is the head of national sales for La DC, who has the exclusive importing rights for Savinelli in the United States. He's going to be here, and um, we're doing this great kind of almost Narnia theme. Hmm. We've, we're, we've fabricated these doors that you're going to walk through. And you walk through the doors, and everything's going to be set up behind them. And You're going to have, like, pines to push through and coats and jackets? Well, you know, we I, <laughs> I thought about how, you know, how much, like, a wardrobe could I get. And and um, the more – it just became very complicated until Bobby, one of our tobacconists, uh, showed me these, you know, full-length uh, curtains that actually look like doors. And so you can just push the curtain so you don't have to worry about if, God forbid, you know, there's a fire alarm or something or people need to leave. Mm -hmm. There's not this big, huge wooden thing and trees and <laughs> genius sitting in the awesome. way. So we're going to do that. And uh, there's going to be so to go through the wardrobe, unlike Narnia, it'll actually cost you some money. Um, it's a 30 bucks. But what's going to be behind there is an event going on during the Savinelli show. And there's going to be uh, what what you'll get for that thirty bucks is you'll get to take part in a blending competition, um, blending um, uh, your own holiday blend of tobaccos. We're going to provide all of those for you. Um, there's going to be um, uh, different confectionaries there, including Turkish delight that's being provided for us mm. and there's going to be, you know, winters, you know, you like the hot drinks, you know, 
the hot coffee, Gotta have the, the hot, hot chocolate, hot, hot you know, chocolate, the Turkish delight, and and uh, there's going to be tea as well. But we're going to have um, red breast Irish whiskey there too, so that you can spike your drinks. And um, then you're also, if you go back there, you're going to get a special Savinelli token that you will be able to, uh, if you decide to buy a pipe at the show, you can present that token and get 30 bucks off the pipe that you want to buy sweet so pretty dope the event ends up being free to you which is awesome so that's happening on the uh 10th that's open to anybody um i think the big thing that's going on really though is the toast across america dinner Mm -hmm. um that we're having on december 15th at 6 p.m at the oscar barnes greenhouse in Hooksit, New Hampshire. Yay, Hooksit! And um, you've been moving on that with ticket sales and everything like that. There's what? How many? There's 50 tickets. Yep. Right. And how many have we sold now, Pat? It's got to be a, around 30, if not more, at this point. Yeah, we're we're really the the tickets are moving along. So the event is 200 bucks. This all goes to support the uh, Cigar Families uh, Charitable Foundation, which was founded by the Fuentes and Newmans Mm -hmm. and um, benefits the uh, poorer communities in the Dominican Republic where they are based. And um, it's going to be a four-course prime rib dinner. You're going to get get um, this year's Toast Across America pack which had, it's Sharks this year again, right? Yeah, it's Sharks. It's the usual Opus and then the Julius Caesar. Yeah, Julius Caesar and Opus Sharks. And that's, if you were to buy that pack, that's that's 50 bucks at least, depending on where you go. Um, and then there's going to be opportunity there to purchase Rare Fuentes and, and Opus X2. And um, proceeds from that will be also going to the, the charity so it's going to be a great time it's going to be a great meal um it's 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 going to be awesome there's not that many tickets left like we were saying so make sure you call or uh, uh go to twins whether it's hooks it or londonderry and uh, get your ticket before it's gone it's going to be a fantastic event all right so you want to talk a little bit about getting into the nitty-gritty of the Davidoff here, the the Davidoff and how they do this and, and the Winston Churchill? Yeah, so, I mean, you could probably spend, like, an, like a series of episodes on Davidoff's mm. history, so I won't touch too, too deep on them. Yep. But, you know, I guess kind of the more relevant things would be just, like, the brief, like, in 1906, um, Zeno Davidoff started selling cigars. They would blend their own blends you know they would use like cuban tobacco and they would just kind of like have their own shop and like kind of retail and they would just do like kind of like house blend type things mm-hmm. and then the davidoff that we know it today more of the manufacturing they got their license to manufacture right after world war ii ended really and there's like controversy i wouldn't say controversies but they used to say that um you know davidoff like blew up during world war ii because it was one of the only I think it was the only company that had access to selling both to the Axis and the Allied Powers. Okay. Um, I used to have a source for that. I forget it, so don't take that like for granted, you know. So, right, but I, 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 I think it was. 
God, was Seagal fishing on? I forget. Someone posted a story about it, but yeah. Um, but more of the relevant thing, like this cigar. I mean, obviously, when you look at Davidoff, the price is really what kind of gets people. You know, at least from my experience, having them try them. But the big thing about Davidoff is there's a lot that goes into the blending and the product. And the one of the things that I admire about it and why I'm a Davidoff guy is like the transparency in the product. So if you want to know exactly what it is you're smoking, they, they tell you the primings and the actual, like, they tell you everything about it. You know, it's not like oh, undisclosed or they don't just say like, oh, Nicaraguan or whatever, you know, like, so like this cigar specifically... It has an Ecuadorian Rojiza wrapper on it. Now, what's Rojiza? Is that a is that a is that a so I think region it, or is it a type of? So it's a seed. It's I, a seed. I, I think it's a it's one of, I believe it's one of the Cuban seeds that isn't used often. But I, again, I, again, it's Davidoff. So they have like their own seeds that they use. They have different hybrid crops that they use. So I'm right. not too too sure. I, we know it's grown in Ecuador. That's about it. But. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And man. then it has that San Andreas binder. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it has five filler leaves. Mm-hmm. It's all Seco primings. Mm-hmm. And they have a Polito Minato. And then they have a Olor Dominicano. Oh, no, just a regular Polito. And then Davidoff has their own hybrid seed, which they did a hybridization with Olor Dominicana and the Dominican Polito. So there's one Seco leaf in there. And then they have two Seco leaves from Nicaragua, being um, Condega and Esteli. So, you know, just out of that, like, you have a bunch of regions represented in this cigar, which this Winston Churchill actually is a second rendition of the line. The first right. one was almost primarily a Nicaraguan, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So they, they wanted to change the brand, and they wanted to kind of have it be... They, they wanted to, like, put another fume in the brand. That's why they reblended it the way that they did. Mm-hmm. And... I actually, I'm not, I think when they released the first Winston Churchill, I don't think they had, they were done with the hybrid crop they were doing. I think that was done like. It was a while ago, the original run. Yeah, I think like early, if not the 2000s. Yeah, I think that's around when that Mm -hmm. hybrid crop was actually made. And they have a really, really good YouTube video on like a documentary on how they go about their hybridization, like the whole seed to cigar aspect of their products. But I mean, yeah, like, that's really, like, Davidoff, like, there's, like, every cigar they have, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. I know we, at Twins, we have the, um, the Davidoff Royal, mm-hmm. which is, like, 120 to $80, depending on what the Vitola is going to be, and, you know, I totally thought those cigars were going to be sitting in the humidor for months, mm. if not years, and we sold through now it's only a 10 count box granted but when they're 80 bucks a pop or 120 a pop for the Solomon, you know that's a, that's a lot of money to drop on a cigar mm-hmm. uh, and uh they they were they were gone within a they weren't there two weeks yeah and again that's another one of those really well i mean i've had the rebuso right and it, what did you think it, to me it's worth it so the thing about that cigar and why it's the price that it is and a lot of the people like don't really look into the blend of it that's why it's really you have to be a davidoff guy that i when i tell people when i'm selling it to them they appreciate the cigar but it has a habano wrapper like we're doing habano it has a san i i don't think it's sandra's binder i forget the binder but the fillers is what you're paying for. Okay. So it has five filler leaves, and it's all a hero. It ranges from 14 to 7 year aged. 
And it has San Vicente. Mm -hmm. San Vicente. So it has two San Vicentes. One's 14 years, the other one's seven um, years aged. They have an Olor Dominicana, Lajero, aged seven years. They have their hybrid. Two Leafs, their hybrid, which is Olor Dominicana, then the uh, Dominican Pluto. So one's seven mm -hmm. years, one 14 years. And so those are unique to them. Yes. They're hybrids. And they say that the tobacco is aged in royal barrels. So, I mean, the tobacco has been sitting somewhere in a warehouse for 7 to 14 years. Right. You know, and that's and, what you're paying for. You're paying yeah, for and all like, that time. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like, you don't just, you know, harvest tobacco and then just cure it and, you know, age it for 14 years. You have to make sure you're systematically checking on the tobacco to actually make sure it's maturing properly and be kept mm -hmm. in the right condition. So... That whole process is really what you're paying for on top right. of, you know, the hybridization, which, you know, being around like that old order Minicana being out from maybe like the hybrid crop being like maybe a little under over 20 years, like mm -hmm. the tobacco from there was pretty close to when they first started having that crop. I mean, maybe like 10 years difference, but, you know, so you're, it's just interesting that you're smoking mm -hmm. something that has been harvested and aging for 14 years. Like it's. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I was eight years old, <laughs> you know, so. Jeez. Uh, Rob wants to know, uh, do we find that mild-bodied cig mild cigars uh, are more affected by what we're pairing it with than fuller-bodied cigars? He says he does. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, the, with the uh, Johnny Walker Black, that's a... a, a pretty potent uh whiskey and this is a would you say this is kind of a medium maybe medium minus for a cigar that's kind of where i'm getting i, I don't it's definitely not a medium a, i would just say it's a medium minus yeah somewhere around it's, it's like on it's, that it's lower more end more than medium. a mild put it that way i give it like body wise i usually put david off like medium and like medium and a quarter and then mm -hmm. strength wise you can put it to that you know medium minus like the, the body like the finish on a davidoff for the most part especially like it's more prevalent in like the um the winston churchill lines both this and the late hour more so in the late hour obviously and then the um the nicaragua series like th there's a lot of nuances too and it has like a nice like medium and a quarter finish like it's mm -hmm. not like a like most of your mild cigars like you know it's it, it to me it doesn't fit that category so to me, the the whiskey kicks up the spice of the cigar, mm -hmm. increases the woody notes. The cedar, the cedar notes in the cigar, really seem to pop. Those more floral, citrusy, gentle kind of things, you know, are knocked down. But you know, it's still a, it's it's a very pleasant pairing. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm getting a really uh, good uh, lingering taste of caramel mm -hmm. with the cigar and the drink together yeah i get a lot of that caramel on the finish just by smoking the cigar and mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons i i like it so much you know the, and the further you get down the cigar the kind of the more intense that becomes oh that sounds awesome yeah it's very very good to me it's like with the pairing like it's kind of like contrasting and like the taste and aroma so the taste of the cigar like on my palate, it's bringing forward those Dominican fillers with the three Dominican filler leaves, and it's giving me that kind of like floral, kind of vanilla, honey sweetness in my palate. Mm -hmm. With a little bit of like maybe a very subtle espresso kind of bitterness in the sides. Mm -hmm. And then through 
my nasal passage being in the aroma of the cigar it's bringing out those Nicaraguan characteristics. So it gives yeah. me like more of that kind of zesty spice, that kind of like yeah. cedar woody note comes forward. And then it has like kind of a lingering, it has a lingering spice, which I wasn't yeah. getting through the um, nasal before. So right. to me, it's pretty interesting just because like it's, it's kind of bringing different aspects of the cigar through like, you know, like the taste and the aroma. Yeah. So. Yep. And, you know, I just, you know, smoked the glass a little bit and it was that, that, that caramel, that sweet kind of caramel finish that you get on a cigar really showed up in the uh, drink. And so it's adding a lot of its own sweetness, a lot of that uh, caramel to the whiskey. And uh, it, it goes very well with it. It goes very well. Now, if you look up, I don't know how many of you listening to the podcast or watching the podcast or history buffs or anything, but if you look up, any kind of top 10 list for who were the most important, most famous, most influential, whatever word you want to use, people of the 20th century, Winston Churchill will always be in that top 10. He may be higher up or lower down, but he is solidly in just about any top 10 list that you find. And if you look up lists of who are the most important or influential people in world history he's usually those lists are usually longer <laughs> 40 50 people he's on that list too mm. um so when you're talking winston churchill you're talking one of the big guys certainly one of the biggest of the 20th century and um a very important character um, he was the prime minister of the united kingdom during world war ii he helped bring about the defeat of um, Hitler and the Third Reich and did that while conducting almost everything uh, for the Brits from underground bunkers that uh, that he was <laughs> living in to hide from the bombings. And he actually had the cities do mandatory blackouts when the raids were coming so that it was harder for the Germans to actually hit targets and more specifically civilian targets mm -hmm. you know mm. um he was also one of the guys who engineered d-day the invasion of normandy which uh really kind of was the beginning of the end of of the war and um he was born on november 30th tomorrow in 1874 and um he was born in the 1874 um, 1874 what else happened that year? I believe I recognize that, that yeah, year. Yeah, it's a very important year for us at Twins. No, it's uh, the birth of uh, 724 cigars. That's right. That's when the factory was founded, 1874. Mm. We have a whole line of cigars named after, after that, that year. Yep. Yep. Um, the Blenheim Palace in Oxfordshire was where he was born. That's where his family lived. He was the son of Lord Randolph Churchill and his wife, Jeannie, who is the daughter of Leonard Jerome, who is a wealthy American businessman. So he's got British royalty on one side, American business money on the other. Terrible. So he was born with that <laughs> whole silver spoon thing. And, um, you know, as he grew up after 1895, he graduated uh, from the Royal Military Acad Academy, uh, Sandhurst. And he and another uh, officer of his traveled to Cuba where he was for a few months and 
that's where he got the bug for cigars. He was only there for a few months, but so he, you need... totally, he totally got into it. And he had, you know, back then, you know, there weren't all these Nicaraguan and Dominican and Honduran cigars. Cuba was really the, the monopoly on that. That's where he went to go. And his favorite brands became Romeo and Julieta and La Roma de Cuba. <laughs> which is not the La Roma de Cuba I that know. you know and love today. I know, but still. Um, and through his contacts and and um, uh, connections, people would always be sending him these cigars wherever he was in the world. So he was actually stockpiled with this stuff, even throughout the war, <laughs> when you know you weren't able to get a whole lot of stuff because <laughs> kind of like what we've been experiencing today distribution was really uh uh, uh halted with uh just about everything with the war so uh in his home he had built a storage room uh, adjacent to his uh study and um that room was designed to hold cigars they were all labeled they were all organized and he could have anywhere between three or four thousand cigars in his his little humidor room. Jeez. And uh, yeah, must have been a sight to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I it, it'd be like walking into twins. <laughs> Actually, twins is much bigger. <clears throat> but that's a you know for a personal collection at any one time. Not to too shabby. Three three to four thousand cigars. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he had others uh, that weren't in his home. He probably had them in his office too. Um, he was famous, of course, for smoking cigars. We have a we have a size of cigar that was named after him. Yep. Ch Churchill was Which named after. That's the reason Winston why Churchill. we're not smoking a Winston Churchill. Churchill. Mm. We're smoking a Winston Churchill. Yeah, Toro. You know, on a previous podcast at another life, we did that. on On the birthday, we smoked the Winston Churchill. Churchill, and you know, but the the podcast doesn't you know go for two and a half three hours. So I figured we'll we'll go with the Toro. Well, we're still alive after the podcast, though. Mm, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's it. But it's it's hard to give a it's hard to give a real thoughts on a cigar when you can't you even can get halfway it, through it, it by the time the thing's over. Fair enough. Um, at least with this, we can kibitz and talk and and uh, kibitz. Where's kibitz. the kibitz? Yeah, kibitz. So. How many, how many cigars did Winston Churchill smoke a day? I'm going to guess around uh, five to seven. Nine okay. to thirteen. Nine to thirteen. Well, you both are close, uh, but no cigar. Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. It was between eight and ten. Eight and ten cigars a day on average that he smoked. And... He didn't just smoke the cigars, though. He he like chewed them. He like had he he was always chewing on the cigar. He liked the flavor of just chewing it, and so he would often let the cigar go out, and he would just kind of chaw on it. But you know, so his cigar, the back of his cigar, could get really nasty. You you've seen that, you know, when people just get all chawy on their cigar, and you find this wet gooped thing in the in the ashtray except for pat's pat's looks like it was never even cut it's just expertly lipped mm. <laughs> so 
he actually uh, um, created something he called the belly roll paper. And it was this brown paper that he wrapped the back of the cigar with so that it didn't just get all goopy and fall apart on it. But that way he could chew it, chaw on it, suck on it, whatever he needed to do. But even doing that, you know, so basically, you know. Do they still make it? No, no, it was his, it was his thing. He, he did it himself, but you think about it, you know, here's, you know, what does it take you a, an hour and a half, maybe to smoke a good cigar. Mm-hmm. So let's say eight, eight cigars. So there's 12 hours of cigar, of having a cigar in your mouth during the day, at least. And, uh, um, you know, he got a lot of flack for all the smoking he did. He also, as Pat's kind of uh, uh, hinted at, did a lot of drinking as well. And um, in spite of all of those bad habits, and you'd think that somebody who smoked eight to ten cigars a day and drank as much as he did, he would have, you know, ruined his liver and gone to hell in a handbasket at age 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died in 1965 when he was 90 years old. Hmm. We lived a right old age, and um, he credited cigars specifically with helping him to stay calm and to relax and to focus. And that was one of the big things he said was able to keep his head level to deal with all the stressful things he had to deal with, with uh, the war, with depression, with, you know, <laughs> having the ever-living crap bombed out of his country um it was cigars that kept him going in large part and um you know that's certainly one of the reasons i smoke cigars is to relax and because it relaxes me it's not only something i like to do to relax it's something that helps me to relax when i need to be relaxed and when you are like me and you live in the estrogen palace you need to relax you need to be you need to have help relaxing and cigars, <laughs> pipes, fireplace that, helps too. That helps me do that, and uh, so I totally get that from uh, from his uh, experience there. Um, do we want to talk any more about what we're experiencing with the cigar? Or do we want to kind of keep going with the Winston Churchill stuff? I'm still getting that yummy caramelness. Mm-hmm. Um, not much has changed for me other than that, though. What do you think of the pairing? Mm. I think the uh, I think the pairing's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I think it's it's it works really well to me. I mean, it it's, works. It's like, you know, it's typically when you think Scotch naturally is what people would mostly stereotype to be a good cigar pairing, right? Like, I think scotch is probably, like, the number one thing most people would probably say pairs with a cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, bourbon follows, but I think scotch is, like, just... Because, you know, it has a little bit of a smokiness to it. Yeah. There's some sweetness to it, so typically scotch. But, so, with this one, when I when we first chose it, you know, 
I, I was thinking, oh, it'd be kind of cool because, you know, Winston Churchill drank Johnny Walker and, you know. Yeah, you're trying to get into the whole thing. Yeah, you but, know? you know, he chose it because that's what Churchill did. Right, not because, right. I mean, this cigar obviously came after Churchill. Right. It just named after him. Right. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a good pairing. Probably so did the black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's maybe, you know, maybe. But um, I'm not sure when the black came out. I, I have no idea. I know the red came first, but, um, but yeah, so it, it naturally, you don't know if it's going to be a great pairing, but it ended up being really good to me. I mean, it's probably one of the better pairings I think we've had in a while, for me at least, yeah. just because it gives me like a nice sweetness in the palate. It has that kind of smokiness and it, to me, it more so like preps your palate to be mm. able to taste the cigar more than without it because again like i usually I smoke the cigar a little bit before i have the drink and like the second i started introducing the drink to it that might be why i'm saying it's more of a medium and a quarter mm. when it comes to the body could it really open the cigar up for me and like i can really distinguish with like the taste and the aroma the different tobaccos in the cigar like i said mm. like the taste of the cigar i'm getting those dominican, dominican fillers out of it but then on the aroma i'm getting those nicaraguan you know and then it's it's very interesting to me so and it's not taking away at all from the pairing i think it's just more it's more complementing the flavors and making it more pronounced no, it's not taking away from the cigar either which yeah. i think is just as important so uh johnny walker black was born in 1909. okay so, oh, so it yeah it was out could it could have been uh, churchill was very big into the finer things in life and by uh 1920 it was available in 120 countries wow there you go. Now, you know back then, and you know the, the. I think the big thing over in Europe at that point in that time was, what kind of whiskey did you like? Did you like the Scotch, or did you like the Irish whiskeys and stuff? And um, Churchill obviously went all over the place, but uh, the Johnny Walker was one of his go-to's. Um, where do you guys fit in that whole thing? Scotch, whiskey. I'm definitely more of a Talia is more of a whiskey person. I'm more of a whiskey person. Yeah, yeah, more whiskey. I'm gonna give a really attorney-like answer and say it depends. <laughs> I think if it's like, like the diaper to me, if it's <laughs> like upper shelf things, like I think Scotch is definitely what I prefer more. But I think on the market today, a lot of your affordable like medium shelf bourbons seem to surpass medium shelf scotches. But I think when you get to the top shelf range, to me, like, like the um the Arg bag, mm -hmm. like not the like the pirate version yeah. of it. It's like a here. I mean, we have it here. It's like a I think it's like a forty dollars shot, but it's like, geez, it's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really, really good because it has like that smoky music to it, but it's not overpowering. It's really aged. It's subdued. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of like those nice sweet notes. Those kind of like mossy kind of no it, it, I don't know, it's, it's really mossy. good to me at least mm -hmm. but again like i don't like really sweet finished spirits so i think a lot of the time scotches have more of those kind of drier like earthy kind of yeah you know, bourbon woody tends notes to be to on the sweeter side yeah yeah that being said you know caribbean cask is one of my favorite spirits you know i love that love it yeah, that's some good stuff. I like that. Another one of Talia's. Of course you like it, because you like Talia. Mm. <laughs> yeah, sip it before you talk. That's very good. Um, I have some favorite 
Winston Churchill quotes. You can't talk about Winston Churchill without bringing up some of the things he said. Mm. He was a great orator. He was a great writer. In addition to being a, a statesman and a military uh, guy, and um, he had he has some of the best quotes out there. And so, oh, we'll the best, see. Let's see later best, on. Best quips. Um, let's you know. <clears throat> so, uh, here's a couple of quotes, kind of focusing on success that he said that I really like. He said, uh, success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. There you go. Yep. That was his definition of success. Isn't there a lot of truth to that? There is people, people think that, you know, to be a success means that everything's going to go right and everything's going to be peachy keen and you end up in the mansion. You know, I, I watched this uh, video today of uh, Jeremiah um, Mirafail. You know, and and even in the interview, he's he's still in the same four million dollar blue suit with the hat and the yeah, sunglasses. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's like, does he did he put everything he had into that one set of clothes? Every single picture that I've seen him in, he's wearing the same stinking thing. The only thing that changes is the tie, but he looks really good in it. I give him that. You know, um, it's not like I have a million suits at home either. You know, pick one that looks good and you go with it. But, but uh, you know, you, you almost think that that's, that's what it is. But to, it, it, he's a great example. You know, his family lost their fortune again and again and again. And they just kept, they had to keep rebuilding it from scratch. And, you know, I, I think a, a great story of that, too, is like the, the dog walker. Kirk Kendall's dog walker. Yep, that was you a know, mistake. It was the yep. he wanted to do a a, a Corona sized cigar with a shaggy foot, and Kurt didn't communicate the Spanish correctly, and so what they got was an unfinished foot mm -hmm. instead of a shaggy foot. Yeah. And he was just like, "What do I do with all these cigars? They're not at all what I want." And he ended up. Lobbing, lobbing off, off the, the unfinished part of the thing. And the dog walker was born. And now there's four different dog walkers available. It's one of the most popular cigars he makes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, from your you, you failing is part of success. And, and I, one, one of those questions that has to deal with that, that I get a lot, is mm -hmm. if there's ever going to be a five-pack of WK. That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Uh, people have asked about that. That's for sure. Let me see here. I think one of the cool Winston Churchill stories or just facts about him is, um, like they call him the the commander of the and the um, negotiator. Mm -hmm. So like the stories of him, like because obviously, you know, one of the big things in his purview was negotiation. Yep. And it just, the way that he held himself in negotiation, like he was very calm, relaxed, but stern. And he was obviously known to have a cigar. And there's myths of, he used to put like a little nail inside of the cigar and he would smoke it. So as he's negotiating and talking, people would be focused on that, the big ash holding on his cigar than what he was actually saying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because the, the ash wouldn't fall. It almost right. the entire thing on. So, and that's why like the Churchill 
it came from because he used to smoke really long cigars mm -hmm. to kind of accumulate that ash so it's kind of cool and then again like one of the unique things that davidoff does is every year they have um i don't know how many years they've done it four three or four years i think they've done the limited edition winston churchill yep so i bought the um the 2022 box and it actually came in a suitcase looking box and you know it has like the negotiator on the inside it gives you kind of the story about Hammer's negotiation, so it's just one of those cool kind of historic things, like with how Davidoff has really incorporated Winston Churchill in, which I think that they're going to probably release their 2023 soon, because I think around like his birthday is when they usually That's let the next year run out, yeah. so that should be coming out soon. Mm -hmm. So here's an interesting Churchill fact. Yep. Churchill almost didn't make it into the, the military school. So as a student, Churchill performed poorly in virtually every subject except history and English comp. He was particularly inept at foreign languages. In a memoir, he described taking a two-hour-long Latin test that he left completely blank, apart from his name and the number of his first of the first question, along with a blot and several smudges. <laughs> his plan to attend the Royal Military College at the at Sandhurst mm -hmm. suffered a setback when he twice failed the entrance examinations. Mm -hmm. With the help of a military tutor, he finally qualified the third time around, but only for the cavalry class, which had lower standards than the infantry. That's right. That's right. That's where it was. And that leads right to the second quote I have here. He says, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. That's important because success does not just mean everything is going to continue to go right. Failure doesn't mean everything is going to continue to go wrong. But in either case, you can't stop. You have to keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's great advice. That's great counsel for just about anything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, another great quote here, uh, favorite of mine of Winston Churchill. You have enemies? Good. It means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. <laughs> well, you were both wowed by that one. Yeah, you young whippersnappers, you need to hear this stuff. This is, this is important for making it, especially you being a lawyer. You know, you're going to, you need to write that down and remember it. I have all these legal quotes in my head right now, so I'll stick to those. Like what? Uh, yeah, okay. Bubblegum? <laughs> I just, I don't know if uh, some of these quotes are appropriate for the podcast. They're very controversial. They're very controversial quotes. Yeah, okay. You can, you can say that if you want. All right. Um, here's another one going back to the whole diplomatic aspect of Churchill. He said, uh, tact is the ability to tell someone to go to hell in such a way as they look forward to the ride. Hmm. You think when someone knows they're famous, <laughs> you think they just sit down and just, in his case, have a scotch and just be like, I'm just going to say random quotes right now and just have them be engraved in history. You know? Know. He was, he was, he was pretty, uh, he was pretty gruff and rough with, with some people. And a lot of that had to deal with the fact that he was drinking. He didn't like being told what to do. He didn't like it when uh, people were looking down on him for whatever it was. Um, uh, speaking about cigars and drinking, 
He said, my rule of life prescribed as an absolutely sacred right, smoking cigars and also the drinking of alcohol before, after, and if need be, during all meals and the intervals in between them. <laughs> Great. And then he says, uh, another quote he had uh, regarding cigars was, I drink a great deal. I sleep a little, and I smoke cigar after cigar. That's why I'm in 200% form. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very good. Very, very good. Um, there are a couple of uh, um, interchanges Winston had with some ladies that are ab have been favorites of mine for decades of uh, uh you know from from reading his uh biographies and autobiography well not autobiography uh biographies of winston churchill um this is pretty well known but if you haven't heard it you're never going to forget it um he's sitting with this uh girl betsy i never got her i didn't write down her last name so we'll just keep it straight her name was betsy and uh, oh betsy braddock there it is i did write it down he was uh with her and she says to him winston you are drunk <laughs> and what's more you are disgustingly drunk to which he replied bessie my dear you are ugly <laughs> and what's more you are disgustingly ugly but tomorrow i shall be sober and you will still be disgustingly ugly. <laughs> wow. So, wow. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You know, that's that's pretty oh, stupid. This, this is good to say after that. So, here's another one Churchill was voted out of office before World War II's end. There's another little fact. Yep. Yep. Um. <laughs> You either loved him or hated him when he was in office. I think one of the interesting things that I always think about is, um, and it kind of is relevant to just Winston Churchill because he negotiated a lot. Is that I'm kind of like just, like especially like being in a cigar lounge, we always kind of, you know, talk about how it's like the equalizer. Like you can have like, you know, like a systematic racist or you know gandhi basically sit together in a room and it's right. like you wouldn't even know who's who you know so i'm just kind of like imagine if you like i'll take without getting too con like russia and ukraine okay you know, imagine just sitting in the room with everyone with a cigar and just talking you know like, i just feel like i just wonder how like that kind of general approach would affect them. i'm not saying it would cause what peace or anything like that it's just right like, like people tend to have more of a structured conversation, like more productive dialogue. With only when you're... one cutter and lighter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you're you're totally right. I mean, you know, uh, what's more divisive than religion and politics, right? And, you know, uh, going you know going through seminary, you know, that's all religion, and politics gets a lot tied into that whole subject of things. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you debates people would be all over each other you know but it was it was more trying to prove 
how right they were and how wrong you were or how much they knew or how much you didn't know. And I would have, at the same time, while I was in seminary, I you know, was working at a cigar shop part-time. And the best talk, the best talks, debates, or whatever about theology, faith, the existence of God or whatever that I had were always at the cigar shop because they were civil. And it was, it was, it wasn't like everybody was agreeing with each other. It, you know, frankly, you had a much wider degree of difference in points of view with people who are involved in those conversations. But when they asked a question, they really wanted to know what you thought. And there's a big difference between wanting to understand what you believe and why you believe it than trying to find the holes in your argument here and there. And, and that was all around the cigar. The cigar solved those problems. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very willing to talk about, you know, I, frankly, I avoid politics, you know, almost all the time. But I'm, you know, you want to talk religion or wherever, I'll do that. But I'm not going to debate it. I'm not going to get into a fight. I'm not going to get into a finger pointing thing with you because to me that's fruitless. And, um, I know it's, I know it's, it may be hard to believe, but the best conversation I've had about those subjects have been at the cigar shop. The worst ones have been at church or at seminary. Mm -hmm. I think what it is is like when you're having a discussion of somebody. I think a lot of the time people speak more of like from the heart and like kind of the passion. Mm -hmm. And then what I've noticed, like when you're smoking a cigar, and this is why I mainly smoke cigars when I'm doing homework in law school, is like it opens your mind up, you know, because you're constantly thinking of something. Because other of than, all the drugs in the cigar, your mind just opens. But you're thinking of something <laughs> other than the substance of what you're doing. You know, like mm -hmm. when I smoke a cigar, I'm not just thinking of, the immediate task at hand i'm right. thinking of the nuances of the cigar like maybe you know in my case, how it's made is that distracting to your homework no it like enhances it you know like it's it's it actively it mm. in like kind of a, a soothing, versus wade and sacred spice in like a soothing <laughs> way it really like like opens your mind up you know like i'm doing homework or i'm having a discussion of somebody you know, you smoke, and that's why, like, when I go on tangents of people, I, I mentioned, like, the spiritual aspects of a cigar. Like, it mm -hmm. opens your mind up, and you're constantly relaxed. You're thinking of the nuances of the cigar, and it just kind of enlightens a conversation because you're not just thinking of, like, you know, this burning passion of this point you're trying to make, but you're more opened up to, like, the room and, and what's going on and, like, other people, and it yep. just seems like you just connect a lot more easily with somebody when you're smoking a cigar or having a nice bourbon with a cigar. Uh, that's my and, experience and, and the, the whole aromatherapy thing works i mean it does it the the aroma and tastes of a cigar can put your mind into a really good place and it can get you out of a really bad place it's, you know it's and, and again you know i i think you know one of the what's one of the things you should do if you're trying to be you know a successful person is is emulate what successful people do one of the most successful people in all of history is Winston Churchill, you know, World War One, World War Two, you know, getting kicked out of, of Parliament and, and all that. And everything that he did, all the ups and downs, what kept him, 
what kept his mind focused so that he could go through having the ever-living crap bombed out of his country <laughs> for five years cigars maybe we should actually think a little bit more about how that could actually help you deal with stress or difficult people mm -hmm. like hitler <laughs> you know very true actually i believe hitler smoked cigars too uh, i've read that he probably did i mean that still speaks to the point i mean it obviously does. hitler is a egregiously bad person you know but he was also a leader of a superpower and you know he smoked cigars and obviously he has stress with what he was doing even though it was egregiously messed up but i mean he still had a so lot of stress like a lawyer who's trying to see both sides of the argument no i'm just like you know there's, there's a correlation of well for one successful You're people right. again hitler yeah not the right kind of success but he he was rocked. very influential he's also in the top 10 list for most influential people in the 20th century I mean, there, there is like this correlation of these people that have these really stressful you know experiences you know having cigars yeah and you know a lot of current media doesn't necessarily shed light to those things because again like you know that's a whole another topic why you know premium tobaccos lodged into cigarettes and the industry looks like crap because we're put in with whatever yeah but you know so the media doesn't necessarily talk about these things but a lot of people like more influential people than what most people would know smoke cigars you know mm. some people might be closet smoker whatever it is but it's it's very prevalent like it, it you yeah. eat a lot you know like like what did i see um um oh he's on he's on literally every single talk show i can't think of it oh my god it's not dr phil oh please not dr phil Let's no it's not dr phil it. it's um oh my god it's gonna infuriate me he's on Dr. Oz. He has like the really nice mustache. Oh my god, who is it? He does um Oh Geraldo Rivera? No, oh my god, I got that off. We'll move on, but he... Yeah, someone else provided a Winston Churchill quote. Yes. Smoking cigars is like falling in love. First you are attracted by its shape, you stay for its flavor, and you must always remember never never to let the flame go out. Who's the host of Jeopardy right now? Alex well, oh no. Yeah. Used to be Alex Trebek. Yep. Yeah. You know what I'm talking I, I, about, though? No, I, I don't follow Jeopardy. Oh, it's going to infuriate me. Hold on, this is this is why we have Google. Yes, you should have done that five minutes ago. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. I actually, I didn't Give get the name. Give me a Family Feud guy. Oh, Family Feud, that's what it was. Steve Harvey, he smokes a cigar in the trailer before every production thing he does. And, and I think it's Scott Pisciano, actually, an article on him like a couple years ago, a year or so ago. I think I remember that, actually. Yeah, he smoked a cigar. Yep. yep. He's a funny dude. He is very funny. He yeah, I'm a funny like dude. Um, let me talk about uh, another of these quotes. This is, this is the last one. And I've saved my favorite for last. Um, speaking with the lady Astor, who was also not really impressed with his drinking, smoking, or his sarcastic quips, she remarked to him, Winston, if I were your wife, I would put arsenic in your tea. <laughs> T 
To which he replied, Nancy, if I were your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> that is epic. Ballsy. That I I have known that quote, that quote for uh, since college. So geez, that's got to be seventy years. No, but it's it's like twenty seven or twenty eight years. It's horrible. How long ago college was? But uh, what a great quote that was. That's what put Winston Churchill in my heart. Anybody that could say that to a lady and still live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty sick and good. Would mm-hmm. you um? Would you say Davidoff is one of the better brands to actually make an expression of Winston Churchill, or would you choose another brand to represent his name? I think it would have to be a higher end brand like Davidoff. He was very into the finer things in life, like Placencia. He, he was, you know. Uh, you know, he, he another quote of his was, uh, "My tastes are very simple, uh, the best." <laughs> and you know, so I think Davidoff really fits that way. Uh, obviously, you know, his thing was Cuban, um, but I think this certainly uh, pays good homage to him and the name, and. Uh, I, you know, here I am now. I'm getting near the final third of the cigar, and um, to me, you know, again, those flavors that we've all been talking about—the the cedar, the wood, the cocoa, the um, uh, those brown pepper kind of spices—those were all kind of slowly building up, and the tastes, the the body of the cigar, you know, is is slowly building as I smoke down it. Um, and the longer I smoke it, the better I like it with the, the whiskey here. And being that this is a brand that Winston Churchill really liked, here's a cigar that goes really well with that whiskey. I think it's a it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I can't see Winston Churchill picking up a, a, a street taco. <laughs> you know, I just don't think that would be him. He wants the finest and the best, and that's what Davidoff goes for. And um, Davidoff, you know, I know they're not for everybody, they, and they, they tend to focus on the more mild side of the spectrum for cigars. Um, not that they don't make stronger, full-bodied ones, but their portfolio focuses, you know, on the lighter end of things. But that's, frankly, where the majority of smokers are at. And... Um, it, when you talk about consistently being able to uh, produce a cigar that has, you know, 14-year-old tobacco in it year after year after year after year, that says something. And I think that kind of consistency that goes into this cigar um, and the, the way that it's constructed, um, you know, I haven't had to correct this or, or relight it. It's taken care of itself the whole mm-hmm. way down. Very true. And um, it's just very enjoyable. Now, have have you all had the, the Winston Churchill late hour before? Yep. You have? Have you, Dave? I don't remember if I have. Okay, so we're going to assume the answer is no. So you and I have both had the late hour. Having this and the late hour, what, 
do you think obviously it's it's kind of like you're comparing apples and oranges to a certain extent but if you were if you had your choice between this and the late hour uh where would you go or would it are you going to give me one of your lawyer answers like it depends <laughs> well, well it, it depends depends. <laughs> depends what i'm drinking i mean so the thing about well, what i've noticed and this is why like i think the series is just phenomenal is to me like the Coraline winston churchill is very balanced and assertive without being overbearing so I think a lot of the flavors and nuances start off very tamed, and then by the back third of the cigar, they definitely start asserting themselves a lot more. Right. And I think that the late hour starts the first third with that assertion that the core line ends with, mm-hmm. and then it goes into a more richer profile. Again, like that wrapper's aged in... A, so I, they say what bourbon it is, but I forget. But it's, it's a whiskey aged, barrel. It's aged, yeah, it's aged in uh, a whiskey barrel. And interesting thing is that um, Winston Churchill 2022 limited edition that mm-hmm. I got the box of, that cigar, it's a Perfecto, but it took the blends from both and put them in the same cigar. Really? So you really get the kind of taste that tobaccos and see how they kind of mingle together. That's really so cool. It is tough. Do you have any to, more of those? I have almost a full box of them, yeah. Maybe you could share one with me. Oh, it sounds like the next episode. Yeah, there we go. So... <laughs> but um so this it, it's interesting to see how the tobacco's kind of play together it is, it you is know? giving tuesday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was my birthday saturday you know so it's tough to, <laughs> so so it's tough to kind of choose which one i'd like i think where i'm more of a fuller bodied cigar smoker so mm-hmm. i think the late hour definitely would take the cake in most scenarios but like the thing about the core line is, like, when you say mild, medium, like, I still put it at, like, I'm kind of a medium and a quarter. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. to me, a mild cigar. And I think, like, right. I, I guess I'll use this to go on another book because we don't really have Davidoffs too often on the show. And I just kind of, like, like, my frustrations working here is <laughs> one of the things of Davidoff Which that is hard to combat is, like, I think Davidoff as a brand is very much an exclusion type brand like i think davidoff definitely may, it might not be the intention but the way that they market their product is kind of excluding certain consumers again like the price point yeah it's in its own humidor you know it has its own aromas and everything that it has in the humidor that's why they want it in there again like that kind of lime and honey sweetness is what i kind of get out of mm-hmm. it so i think a lot of consumers that are like your traditional cigar smokers where they you know they, 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 they like their nicaraguan whatever it is but I think it's kind of tough to get somebody to try a Davidoff because it's, you know, most people are like, oh, a Davidoff, you know, like it's a really ritzy kind of thing. And, you know, and that's kind of the marketing they kind of put forth to me. But the thing about Davidoff that I appreciate a lot about, not only is the transparency in the blend so you know what it is you're smoking, what you're paying for, but... Again, like a lot of their blends is is it had they're assertive but they're not overbearing. Like right. the flavors get more robust, but they never get to that point where you'd say, "Oh, it's a full body cigar." Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's really aggressive in this sense, you know. And again, a lot of smokers, especially in America, they they like that assertion. They they, they like the flavors to be prevalent and and, and obvious almost. Right. But with like a Davidoff, you you have to sit and you really have to think about it, you know. Again, that's why. To me, Davidoff is the brand that I would choose to replicate, like do an expression of Winston Churchill, because again, like you have to sit and think. Yeah. Like if you just love to do. If you're going out and walking a dog and you're smoking this cigar, you're not going to get everything out of it. You have to really sit down. You have to understand the the tobacco that's in it. Then you just have to 
taste it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and you have to think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why the long way to answer the question is like Davidoff would be who I would have do the cigar. But yeah, like that's like I, I wish more people would try Davidoff. I guess is where I'm at. Like, it, well, it's hard. If you, were, if you were going to introduce people to Davidoff, what Davidoff would you introduce them using? The Royal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not the Royal. <laughs> yeah. I would probably do the Coraline and Churchill. Get paid? <laughs> Give me uh, your paycheck. I, I, I would do. I would do. No, there's no change. <laughs> I would do the Coraline Winston Churchill for. There's two reasons. One is I think a lot of people would probably say the um, the Nicaraguan, mm-hmm. but that's part of Davidoff's um, the, the the global line. So they they you know like the Amasa, the Nicaragua, like. Right. The Yamasa is like a really swampy terrier land in the Dominican. So it's a Dominican Yamasa Puro, where the Nicaragua is obviously Nicaraguan Puro. So that's more of like, it's Davidoff, but it's not truly like an expression of Davidoff. Like it's kind of like just, you know, side project they've done. Yeah. So with the Coraline Churchill, like I would say this one, because it has like, again, like one of those hybrid leaves in there that Davidoff is known for. Mm-hmm. And it has like their Dominican or Lord Dominicana that they work with frequently in their Coraline blends, but it also has two seco leaves of Nicaraguan, you know, Condegan Esteli. So mm-hmm. it has flavors that I think your traditional smoker that doesn't smoke Davidoff would, would be familiar with, but it mm-hmm. also introduces mm-hmm. nuances that Davidoff has to offer with those unique tobaccos that they work with on a day-to-day basis. So that you're not going to find outside of Davidoff. Yeah, so I, I would say the Coraline, Winston Churchill is probably what I would go with. Mm-hmm. It's not the most strong out of the line, but it definitely is going to touch home to what a lot of people are used to on our market today, but also kind of, you know, dip their toes into what Davidoff has to offer. And then, like, obviously the the Grand Crow and then the Anniversaries, one of the ones I would say, like, that that's a true Davidoff. Like, yep. most, if not all, the tobacco in there is very unique to Davidoff. And then, yep. obviously, the Royal is you have to be a Davidoff guy to smoke that cigar. It's all Davidoff tobacco. Like, yeah. it's like the Royal Barrels, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I would go, this is the cigar that I would, Tell hmm. people I, I would agree. This this would be if I were going to introduce them to to Davidoff. Where where do I start? Start here, because anybody anybody could smoke this. It's it's light enough that I think anybody who likes a lighter cigar, they're not gonna they're not gonna be overpowered by it. There's enough going on in the cigar that a more experienced smoker who, like myself, might tend towards stronger cigars, can still appreciate the body of it and the changes that happens through the cigar too as things intensify towards the end i think is something else that shows off davidoff's blending prowess and even like topic you know like the systematic blending that they do like there is very few spirits or drinks i can think of that wouldn't pair with this cigar or like many davidoffs like Mm. you know if you go and you smoke a padrone it's a phenomenal cigar you know I, i smoke padrone all the time but like if you want to have a beer, for instance, like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Padron's probably not what I'm going to suggest no. to you, but, like, this cigar here, like, we touched on the notes, like, those, like, this spirit brought out, like, you know, on the taste, like, it brought the, the Dominican, the aroma was in Nicaraguan, like, it, it didn't take away from the cigar, and it, like, made it, you know, it, it pronounced it. Again, like, what you what you guys are considering more of a mild, you know, I say medium, you guys say mild, like... Well, no, I'd, I'd still call it medium, 
but on the lower end of the medium spectrum. Yeah, so like a lower end medium, like, you know, Johnny Walker Black, it's not really a barrel proof, it's not like a huge right. powerhouse spirit, but it's definitely not something light, you know? Right. And it didn't take away from what most people in the market would say is a light cigar. Right. Where when you have like a cigar like Padron that's kind of a heavier cigar, again, it's like Esteli Nicaragua, it's going to mm -hmm. take away from those kind of more mild spirits. But mm -hmm. like a Davidoff, to me, you can have a mild spirit with it. You can have like a, you know, an IPA. You can have an ale. You can have a barrel proof. And you're not going to take away from the cigar because mm -hmm. it has so many characteristics to it based mm -hmm. on those leaves that they use in the filler that it's some tobacco in the cigar is going to pop based on whatever it is. <clears throat> you know, if we had a barrel proof bourbon tonight, I would probably tell you that those Nicaraguan fillers would probably jump out on the cigar. Right. Well, this one was kind of a medium type spirit, so like mm -hmm. both of the regions of tobaccos are popping out, you know, different characteristics. So, yeah. like that—that's why, like, I wish more people would smoke Davidoff. Like, mm -hmm. I wish they would at least try it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, for most, I, I can totally understand for most people, you know, paying between twenty-five and thirty bucks for a cigar—that's not something you could do every day. But to, you know, you know, I mean, like even at, at Hooks, it, you know, you've got this whole thing of placentia friday you know everyone comes in and buys a 20 dollar cigar you know once a week once a month you know or twice a month treat yourself to something like this and and uh <laughs> it's it's cheaper than going out let me tell you i think mm -hmm. one of the one of my favorite examples in the humidor downstairs where i had somebody that was strictly anti-davidoff was they're a Padron guy. Mm -hmm. So again, when you have a Padron guy and you suggest anything that's not on the Padron wall, they're yep. like insulted by you, right? <laughs> like, and so I have it off. People are the same way. So, I mean, it goes for both ways. Yeah. Again, like here at Twins, I think we're more of a Padron shop than a Davidoff shop. But I mean, not to say that a lot of people smoke Davidoffs. I mean, it, it, they, they do sell quite frequently, but Padron here, it moves more volume than Davidoff does. So I had a gentleman that wanted a suggestion but he wanted a padron so i'm like why do you need me you know what i mean but yeah yeah so he wanted a mild cigar and i'm like thinking to myself padron mild so i said i mean if you want like a higher end cigar that's more mild but you get like these flavors like why don't you get a davidoff he's like davidoff well, if I, I would just burn a 20 right now if i wanted a davidoff i'm like All right, so then i, I we had the damasos in stock mm -hmm. so i was like well this is a Connecticut wrapped for drone, so it's gonna be a little bit more mild. I'm like, it's not gonna be really mild, but it still has like those Esteli fillers, but it's right. gonna be more mild. Right. He was like, oh, okay. So we smoked it, came out there, that was phenomenal. I love it. And then I told him the story of that cigar, and I'm like, do you know why that cigar exists? And he's like, oh, no. I'm like, well, Davidoff made the Nicaragua box, but no, no, so vice versa. So Padron made the Damasos with the Ecuadorian wrapper. And they kind of did that to kind of shed like into the Davidoff market. So then Davidoff, in response, made the Nicaragua box press to kind of take away from the Padron market. So those like that cigar out of the Padron line was meant to compete with that. Meant to compete with Davidoff. So after I told him that, he then because he liked it so much, he then went to Davidoff and he tried. He got a um a late hour because at the time we didn't have the Coraline Churchill. Mm -hmm. That that's what yeah. I would have suggested. Right. He tried the late hour. And then he came back a couple weeks later, tried the Nicaragua, and then, you know, the guy to this day comes in frequently and gets a Davidoff. And it's just funny how someone that was so anti-Davidoff and so pro-Padron completely just 
left the Padron shelf, which is like the only time I've ever had working here that someone left Padron for Padron another cigar. Getting Padron people who are like hardcore, you know, I'm Pastor Padron. I love Padrons, mm -hmm. but I go all over the place. Mm -hmm. But people who are solidly, that's what they smoke, Padron. It can be a 3000. It can be an Exclusivo. It can be a, a number 48. It can be a family reserve. But that's what they do. That's what they do. It is so hard to get them to try anything else. Oh, <laughs> That happened. Uh, the spirit of debris is with us. Mm. Rod wonders what Churchill would be smoking now if he was the prime minister. Would it be a Davidoff or maybe even a Byron? Mm. I think he'd still be smoking Cubans. That's me. But probably, being that he'd be in England. I don't know. Maybe he'd maybe he'd branch out. I don't think he'd be smoking today's La Roma. No, not today's. Not the uh, Dominican or Nicaraguan or uh, Nicaraguan Ashton's La Roma de Cuba. I think he'd kind of scoff at that. Although chewing, you know, maybe it's all right for that. Um, um what's the final verdict here on the? Uh, Winston Churchill. Do you like this date? What did you think this was a good cigar? I thought it was a good cigar. You know, um, it was very well balanced, very nuanced. Um, I don't know. I tend to, I tend to quite, I tend to like in your face flavors a lot more. You know, I mean, I would, I would, I would smoke this as like a morning cigar. You know, but there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. We know, I mean, you obviously think it's not only great, but a great example of Davidoff on the whole. Yeah, I mean, it. I'll just, you know, echo everything I just, you know, kind of went on a tangent about. Like, it's it's a really good cigar, and I think it's definitely something that someone should try if they want to spend, you know, 20 bucks on a cigar. But, you know, and again, if you like, especially like the back third of the cigar gets, to me, like a medium plus. And if you like that, then that's when I would suggest trying the late hour because yeah. it starts off where this one ends. Right. Right. Um, this still remains one of my favorite Davidoff cigars. Um, I like the late hour too. It This has so much more nuance to it than the the late hour does. every third it change. it's a different cigar you know, every third it's it's great and if you haven't tried one of these i totally recommend it um and again it can go with a lot of different spirits i was thinking is especially as we were discussing the different kind of flavor profiles this would go great with a tequila too because of those yep. limey kind of mm -hmm. flavors that you get in there too and there's so many different ways that you could pair the cigar and be totally happy and not every cigar is able to do that and pair with a range of different not only different you know spirits but different classes of spirits beer you know you could have a rum with this you could have a scotch with this bourbon whiskey what i mean there's a whole range of things obviously you know some things would overpower this but you've got a lot of choices of where to go mm -hmm. I, so i love the versatility of the cigar too um Next week on the show, we are going to do our quarterly review, dun, dun, the fourth dun. quarter review for the end of the year. We're going to be looking at cigars that have come out uh, the last uh, quarter of 2022, and um, 
we're going to be my plan is to uh smoke the, the alfonso uh, no uh, the uh edge 20th we're getting I'm, those in i'm told that the, they have the, been shipped and that we the will what? the new ed, edge the new edge from rocky patel uh now if the dbs gets here before the show i'm gonna do that what about what about what about the m81 uh, we're going to do that, I think, a little bit later. But we can certainly talk about that cigar because it's a fourth quarter. You know, Which that's is the M eighty one? That's the the blackened. The blackened. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, blackened. Yeah. That's a good cigar. Well, yeah. we have something coming up for that one. We don't need to smoke that now. Yeah. We'll do the edges, teasing. Right? I'm teasing. Yeah, I know. I know. We're teasing. Yeah. Yep. Teasing what's coming up in the new year, Dave. That you don't know about, but you had hooks it? Yeah. Nope. Hi, ho I mean, hooks it over <laughs> I just sell all the placentias. Yep, that's all I do. And drink Coke. <laughs> no Coke. Drink mm. Coke. Anyway, so the uh, new Edge 20th, 20th anniversary, that's what we're going to be doing next week. Um, the DBS, if we get it, but I, I that's iffy. That's going to be shipping sometime in the next couple of days. It may or may not be here by the time uh, uh, next Tuesday rolls around. But uh, the edge will be here. I should have it before the end of the week. And so that's something we've been looking forward to for a while. We've got a great relationship with the Rocky. Uh, so we're gonna. that'll be a great cigar, I think, to talk about. Is Mike going to be here? Fourth quarter. Uh, he could be. Who knows? I mean, that guy's everywhere. Everywhere but, you know, here. where he actually <laughs> sells cigars. <laughs> we haven't actually seen Mike in, in months, and so uh, you know he's been uh, on the West Coast, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's just, he just got back from LA today. Mm. And uh, good, for you. I'm like, yeah. good for you, good for you. Yeah, well, and you know he's out visiting his family, and he hadn't been able to get out there because of COVID for years, so he took everyone out. Well, I'm glad he went, but you know, stopped by the shop every once in a while, you know, once a month or something. That would be nice, right? Yeah, we like Mike. Um, but anyway, so that's what the plan is for the show next week. Make sure you're right here. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to the podcast. And we'll, we'll see you next Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You've been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you wherever you are whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at notjustblowingsmoke. Thanks for listening, everybody. And that is Not Just Blowing Smoke. Rolling with the top